0: my my and Welcome to the panel, RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you this afternoon. Lovely to be here. Bullying in politics, back in the news. Labour MP Gaurav Sharma has made accusations of bullying within Parliament. Former staffers have raised concerns about him. We discussed the issue just after four. And New Zealand will not be seeking to attract those who travel around the country on $10 a day eating two-minute noodles, according to Tourism Minister Stuart Nash. We hear what the backpacking industry have to say about that. And is it possible for a group that peddles misinformation to be able to get a foothold in local or national politics, we discuss, and former All Blacks coach Laurie Maines on that All Blacks win at Ellis Park? And, look, an Etiquette Mondays, a listener Got in touch with a problem that needed answering. If I stay at someone's house and there's a squeegee in the shower, am I required to squeegee down the shower, or would it be rude if I didn't squeegee the shower down? Get in touch. Text me two one zero one. We can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, brand strategist Anna Dean Kia ora, Anna.
1: Hi. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. Can good. you
0: hear me? Uh, and Peter Dunn, former Minister and United Future Leader and commentator. Peter, welcome.
2: Uh, kia ora, Wallace and Anna. Nice to be with you.
0: Very good. Now, to this first, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has just announced that New Zealand will be sending 120 more Defence Force personnel to the UK to train Ukraine soldiers in their fight against Russia. This comes on top of the 30 troops we sent in May, and over $40 million we have provided in financial support. To get his reaction to the news, we're joined by Professor of International Law Alexander Gillespie from Waikato University. he written on this issue. Professor Gillespie, welcome. So, another 120 defence staff. This represents quite a commitment, Owl.
3: Well, Good afternoon, Wallace. This has quadrupled our commitment in terms of soldiers going over to train the Ukrainians. I think it shows that we're in it for the long term and that the relationship with Russia is going to continue to deteriorate. There's
0: been some pushback on this in the past when it was first announced, the first uh, uh, tranche, uh, you know, that New Zealand has effectively gone to war without consulting the public. Uh, what's your thoughts on that?
3: Well, we're doing it as part of our foreign policy because what you saw was an illegal invasion of another country and one of the most outrageous breaches of the UN Charter since the Second World War. It's the right thing to help the Ukrainians defend themselves. We're not putting our soldiers in the Ukraine. We're helping train them. We're providing intelligence and sometimes we're giving a few weapons. It's the best we can do in this situation.
0: To those that would say, hey, shouldn't New Zealand be playing a more peaceful role favouring diplomacy at all costs? What would you say?
3: Well, we we should always pursue peace and we should always pursue diplomacy. The problem is that when the other countries that you're trying to talk to don't respect law.
2: All right. Uh, Peter Dunn? Look, I, I think this is probably as far as we can reasonably go, but I'm disappointed that it's not being accompanied by a parliamentary debate to give authority to the decision I respect that the government can make it, but I think in situations like this, it would be useful to have the backing of Parliament as a whole.
0: All right. Uh, Anna?
1: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it it does seem like um, sending help seems to be the common sense and reasonable thing to do, obviously, with a mindset always towards peace. and, And if you can help train these people, then um all power to them i say but it is it is problematic and it's just worrying how long this conflict yeah. is is going <laughs>
0: All right, Professor Gillespie, kia ora, thank you for your time. It's uh, 10 to 4, the panel. Now, after 27 years of tinkering and troubleshooting, an Arrowtown-based aircraft engineer has readied his own home-built plane for takeoff. Michael Evans began piecing together his two-seater Vans RV-6 aircraft in 1995 in his garage. Now, many of us might have made things in our garage, cottage or shed, a cabinet. For me was a wooden pencil case with a design on it how many have built an airplane from scratch with us is michael welcome to the panel michael
4: hey g'day how are you
0: doing thanks for having me look congratulations what inspired you to build this years-long project
4: <laughs> thanks very much look uh, i'm really not too sure myself but uh I guess it just comes back to a uh, passion for aviation, really, and there were certainly some people who went before me who, who had bought, uh, built aircraft here in New Zealand, and, um, yeah, it was just one of those things that I led myself into.
0: It's just extraordinary. I mean, what do you, when you want to build a plane, what do you start with? Do you start with the wheels or the wheelbase?
4: <laughs> well, actually, first of all, you start with identifying the mission. You know, wh- right. what is it that you want out of the aeroplane? What do you want to do with it? Mm. And and once you've identified which aircraft you you want to build, then, yeah, a, ma- a matter of putting your money down and you s- start building, really. Just, yeah. Uh, usually you start with a the tail, then you, and, and then ah. you go to the wings, and then you go to the fuselage.
0: It's just incredible, isn't it, Peter? And Peter, I know that you um, you are a train enthusiast. Yes. You you you, you and you've said it before. You 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 collect small trains, but nothing That's on right. the, nothing on the scale.
2: No, no. But what I'm what I'm intrigued by. And I'd just like to ask, ask Michael: Do you build from a plan or do you build from a kit set? How 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 do you um you know you don't just simply or do you design it yourself?
4: Uh, there are people in New Zealand who have designed aircraft themselves and built them, and I take my hat off to them because that's an even bigger process. But in this particular case, it was simply a matter of uh, buying a kit set. And in this case, yeah. it was pretty much all just flat parts, you know, just angle, aluminium, uh, some tubing, and what have you. And then, yeah, building it to the plans.
2: Amazing. Anna? And do you, you have to have it certified as airworthy, or, or mm. how do you go about that point?
4: Uh, Yes you do Peter. So at the end of the process once you've actually built the aircraft, uh, civil aviation come along and do a audit and if they're happy with what they see then they'll give you the piece of paper and you've got an experimental period that you have to fly. So in this case I've got 40 hours of test flying to do. At the end of that period then they'll give me a full certification and I can take passengers.
0: Good heavens. Anna, isn't this fantastic?
1: Oh, it's incredible. Um, congratulations, Michael. I was really intrigued. Where did the name come from, Ecstasy?
0: <laughs> oh, Thank don't God. ask those sort of questions, Anna.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that bad. Actually, as it turns out, it was one of the most sought-after registrations in the country, and it was on yeah. a really? on, on an old aeroplane that um, I managed to grab it when it came due, and, and you know, the, the last person didn't take up the option, so I just took it. It seems like a lot of fun, Ecstasy, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking to Michael Evans. He built a plane from scratch uh, from scratch. You, you, you said that actually this is quite an emotional journey. In fact, to thinking about just thinking about being up there in the skies makes you tear up a little bit.
4: Oh, absolutely. You know, when it came to the first test flight, uh, I, I sat on the ground and watched it take off, and it certainly brought a tear to my eye. It, it's the oh. end of a long journey, you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, Michael. You watched
0: it take off. You mean you weren't in it? No. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that isn't that the point? You spend 27 years making a plane. You need to be the first person flying it.
4: Uh, and, and a lot of people do, but, you know, you have to be a little bit... crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you know... The, the thing is, yeah, you, you've got to have a not not quite, but uh, you, you've got to uh, understand. That you, there's a lot of emotional attachment in there, and uh, yeah. you know there there have been times where people have issues on that first flight, and uh, in the past, people have ended up killing themselves because they're trying to save the airplane that they've got a huge emotional attachment gotcha. to. Mm. For me, it was a case of let somebody else do it. I'll, I'm quite happy to sit on the ground and watch, and when my turn comes, I'll, I'll you know go and go and have fun.
2: Kia ora, Michael. So what, um, range, what range is it going to have, Michael? How far will you be able to fly? Uh,
4: it cruises at 160 knots, which is about 270 kilometres an hour, I think, and we've got four hours gas on board. So uh, oh. Queensland to Nelson, two hours. <laughs> uh, Palmer- Palmerston North, just over three hours. Yeah,
0: Just amazing. 27-year journey, yeah, Uh, in his garage, builds an airplane as you do a wooden pencil or whatever. Michael, thank you for that. Now, um, I I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. Uh, Such a massive response on whether or not you should squeegee the shower if you stay at someone else's house. Wallace, when staying at someone's home… It's the guest's obligation to make as little work for them as possible. Therefore, if a shower has a squeegee in it, then yes, use it. Wallace, you're a house guest, not a hotel guest. I would certainly appreciate my friends uh, squeegeeing the shower. I have a contrarian view on that. I would suggest to you that if I'm staying at your house, it's not up to me to squeegee your shower. Four twenty-five. We discussed that. I'd be interested to hear what Anna Dean and Peter Dunn do when they go and stay at a friend's house. Keep that uh, feedback coming. Two one zero one. All right, Anna Dean. I've been thinking.
1: Uh, I've been thinking really about how to fit more exercise into my life. I know, like a lot of people, I'm very desk bound, and I've been working a lot um, remotely at the moment on a laptop and attended a really interesting class on Friday here in Nelson um, called Nutritious Movement, which was all about learning how to walk properly. And it was fascinating. I was actually walking up a hill, um, up the Grampians behind Nelson here. Oh, and I, know well, I know it well, know it well. I realised that I um, was walking in a very feminine manner, that kind of RuPaul's Drag Race what style. Does that, what,
0: does, what does that mean?
1: It kind of means that like you walk on a tightrope, Rather than walking um, with your hips in a in a wider position, because women actually have wider hips and wider pelvises than men do, so so actually walking in a in a wider way enables you to be more upright. And it's it's been quite fascinating. It was all about your gait, all about how you're you're oh. standing. Yeah, and it actually. Um, it blew my mind surprisingly enough I'd been recommended to go along to it from an acupuncturist friend of mine and um, it it was life-changing and it's all it's a movement where people are trying to bring in stretching and um, ways to do exercise that isn't like going to the gym and is just integrating it in your everyday life and um, you know walking and biking and things like that so I'm Sitting up straight uh, while I talk to you, and um, it's a, it's a good thing to be thinking about.
0: How very interesting! Learning to rewalk again, and <laughs> the, the, the 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 positives of sitting up straight. Peter Dunn, yeah. I've been thinking.
2: Well, I, I've been thinking that um, it's time to wind back our obsession with these ubiquitous uh, traffic safety cones you see everywhere. And it came to my attention last week when. Outside my house, a stop-go sign was set up. The road was closed to one lane for several hundred metres. There were about eight people around standing with signs and all sorts of things, while two people went up in a cherry picker to cut a tree. It seems to me to be totally over the top. I'm all for road safety. But this just seems to be going way out of control. And I don't know what it's like in Auckland or, or Nelson, but you can't drive down any street in Wellington these days without Encountering some set of cones somewhere with someone standing around with either a sign telling you to go slow or to stop and go, and there's seldom any work being done.
0: Ah, oh, uh, so many people could could relate to this, uh, Peter. You know, it seems like um, yes. you 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 need you want to shake hands with someone on the street. You need to pick up the road cones.
2: Yes, that's right. And so, I, you know, as I say, understand the reasoning, and I'm I'm not suggesting we we adopt no. a sort of a devil may care attitude, but I just think it's the most massive employment program around, actually.
0: All right, be interested to hear what you think of that. Uh, are we are we getting are we just getting over road cones because there are a lot of them around, aren't there? Uh, your thoughts on that and any other issues? We are with Peter Dunn and Anna Dean this afternoon, uh, and they keep on coming about uh, squeegeeing. Um, uh, of course, you should use the squeegee. Why do you think it's there? You've used the shower, it's you that needs to squeeze the shower. Even, what? Even though it's not my shower, I'm staying there. I'm the guest. Why should I? Anyway, lovely to have your company. 4 pm to 5 right here, the panel, RNZ National.